TII Item 303, April 17th, 2014, WWDC 2014, date is set. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand, and that I do everything with, and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Petri for sending in the music here in the background. Petri wrote, Hi, Rob. I made a song with GarageBand on my iPhone. Regards, Petri O. Thanks, Petri, for the music, and folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. also want to thank Melanie for sending in the artwork for today's show. Melanie had the following to say. Hi, Rob. Here is a TII wallpaper image for the iPhone 5, 5C, 5S I created with my 8-year-old granddaughter on my iPhone 5. First, my granddaughter finger-painted the colors of the spectrum in the source image in Sketchbook X, which is a free app which does not export. So I took a screenshot uh, of her artwork. I used Handy Photo to retouch remove the app's controls buttons in the image. I then ran the retouch screen capture through Glaze to give it deep, rich texture. It looks awesome with the iOS 7's parallax effects. Last but not least, I applied the TI branding with Title FX. Regards, Melanie MacSmiley. Melanie. Thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Melanie's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 303. Or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Nothing from the iPad specs that I've seen really shows any great cause for celebration. Unless Apple has also developed some new type of power source, such as a nuclear cells or magical hamsters on tiny spinning wheels, for the iPad, don't expect the claims about the battery life to hold true. John Breeden, second... Government Computer News, 28th of January, 2010. Well, my money would be on the magical hamsters as the reason why Apple was not able to just hit their numbers for battery life, but also well exceed them. This week, we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first is for the app Flash SMS, two words, well, one word and one acronym. And here is the review from the dev. Hello Rob and everybody at Today in iOS. I am Anthony, one of the VRDCI dev team members that have created the Flash SMS Class Zero app. This is a unique app that has recently been launched worldwide on the App Store. As it mentioned by its name, it allows you to send Flash SMS, those kind of funny, fast and surprising SMS. In the best case, if the recipient is an iPhone, the SMS will be received in full screen, without any sender and will not be stored on the iPhone. You can have a lot of fun with our app. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Flash SMS, and for sending in the promo codes giveaway. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, 
send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Flash in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Eye Massage, Thai Massage and Reflexology. Here is a review from the dev. Hi, my name is Pat Rimpody. I'm representing the dev team at Bumbles in Bangkok. We are presenting to you the Eye Massage, Thai Massage and Reflexology. A massage is everything you need after a long, stressful day of hard work. Getting a massage is always so relaxing and so peaceful. You know we all love to get massages all the time, but we can't afford it. We wish we had a masseuse at home, right? So the idea came to us, why don't we train someone at home to become a massage therapist? Here we are with the Eye Massage app. We developed this app with a friend who is a massage therapist in Bangkok. We documented the massage technique step by step. In the app, we present 272 massage poses, each one with high-def video and instruction. The lessons are organized into an easy-to-use interface with nice clean design. You can search and filter posture. Create your own massage programs or just follow one of our 12 preset programs. Learning to massage is so easy. Download the app to your partner's iPhone or iPad. Learn it together. Practice on each other so both of you can enjoy the relaxing Thai massage. Best massage in the world. For more information, search Eye Massage by Bum Bliss in the App Store. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Eye Massage, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put iMassage in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. Our quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. On the last episode, I mentioned that we would likely see news about WWDC signups before the end of April. Well, we didn't even make it to the end of that week. If you have the TI app, you would have received the push notification about the registration for the lottery to WWDC 2014. Yep, lottery. You needed to register before April 7th. No words yet on how many registered for the lottery, but I am sure Apple will mention it if, and this is a big if, if the number is significantly above the 5,000 that are able to go. So if it's under 10,000, they probably don't say anything but over 20,000, and they sing the praises of how much devs really, really, really want to attend. That all said, this year's WWDC will start on June 2nd, not the 9th like I thought and many other were thinking. So that means we will also know when iOS 8 is going to be announced, which again is likely not going to go live until September when the iPhone 6 is launched, but we should see the specs on June 2nd. I think Apple is kind of stuck in this yearly rut now to do um, releases in the September timeframe due to carriers and how they've cut back on upgrades. The only way out of that September launch is for them to push it out later, not earlier. Pushing it out is not very attractive because it means they are likely having design or production issues. Pulling it in is not attractive because most people's carrier plans would not let them upgrade. So stuck they are which I guess for us makes things a little more predictable. Okay, that all said, we have until June 2nd's keynote at WWDC to start speculating about iOS 8. Okay, well, to start in earnest, that is.
And the first part of that speculation will come from the image Apple used for its WWDC announcement. When I first looked at the logo, I tried to figure out the hidden meaning. And I think I have it. It means Apple TV with game support, because the image is clearly a reference to Minecraft. Others are also overanalyzing the image to try to figure out its hidden meaning. Some of us think Apple consults with the Freemasons when designing their artwork. Anyway, what others are saying the artwork means is, quote, it is a homage to Flappy Bird, Minecraft, and all other pixel games on the App Store, unquote. To the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I'm interested in your thoughts on the future direction of iOS. I have been a huge fan of iOS, but can also appreciate the desire of many users for greater customization. The issue is how do you balance opening up the platform to developers without sacrificing security, stability, and the overall user experience? I would love to see things like custom keyboards, widgets, and greater cross-communication between apps. However, not if it comes at the expense of a smooth and consistent UI. Could this be achieved with very strict design guidelines from Apple? Question mark. And before I sign off, here's something to consider. Does Apple risk missing out on the growth in the cross-platform communication by restricting software such as iMessage and FaceTime to iOS only? WhatsApp, Facebook, Messenger, Viber, and many others are growing in the space. Imagine a world where iMessage is the dominant messaging platform available on iOS, Android, and dare I say it, even Windows iPhone. Regards, Giuseppe M. from Victoria, Australia. Giuseppe, thank you for the email. Now, I don't think customization is as big a deal. I mean, people tweaking and customizing their UI and all that is a big a deal for most smartphone users. I'm not going to say most iOS users. I'm going to say most smartphone users really don't care about that. It's just the uber geeky ones that do. And no, Apple is not going to sacrifice security and smoothness of the UI to add in some features that some uber geeky ones are going to want, but the majority of people don't care about. So I don't think you're going to see too much opening up in the way of customization goes with iOS 8. I think the biggest speculation for iOS 8 revolves around health-related issues as far as tracking your health. And, and again, if Apple releases an iWatch, will be interesting to see what is added on June 2nd, and I'm sure we'll be speculating more and more about this as June 2nd gets nearer. Per iMessage on all other platforms and being universal, it comes down to the user experience. Apple's not going to open up iMessage to everyone if that means it degrades the performance for the core Apple users of iMessage already. Would it be nice to see it cross-platform? Yes. Is it likely to see it anytime soon? No. Alrighty now. On the 23rd of April, Apple will have their next quarterly conference call, and Apple will at that time announce last quarter iPhone sales. And that means it is time for Philip Elmer DeWitt to round up the analysts' forecast. First up, a year ago, Apple sold 37.4 million iPhones, up from 35.1 million in the year-ago quarter. If you take that difference and add it to 37.4, you get 39.7 million iPhones. So did any of the analysts guess 39.7 million? Yep. Andy Hargraves from Pacific Crest with 39.70 million right on the nose. Nice work, Andy. Way to put in the time on that calculator app. 
Overall, guesses range from a low of 34.05 million from name and company withheld. Hmm. Okay, skip that one. Let's go to the 34.7 million as the lowest guess with anyone that had the moxie to put their name next to it, and that was Kolbinder Garcha from Credit Suisse. The highest was 42.5 million from Charlie Wolf at Needham and Company. Interesting, the pros were both the highest and the lowest this time, but most indies were at or above the 39 million in their guess. My guess, and I am not good at this traditionally, is in the 39 to 40 million range. I have to believe it will be higher than last year given the opening of China Mobile. So let's go with 39.4 million for my official guest, as that is a 2 million increase from last year and not a number any of the other analysts guessed. My guess is there is no number that would make Wall Street happy, however. No matter what Apple announces, Apple stock will likely stay flat at best. It would take something unheard of on the number side for iPads and iPhones combined to raise the roof, so to speak. I think Apple's kind of stuck right now in a range that has nothing to do with financials and all to do with future expectations for new products that until they are leaked, announced, Apple stock will range where it is plus or minus $50. So you're looking at Right now it's 525 and you're going to see it between 475 and 575 most likely over the next six months. Of course, a big miss would move the needle, but in the wrong direction. Nothing yet on iPads, but we will go over those guesses on the next episode before we get into the real numbers. By the way, the next episode should be out the evening after Apple does its quarterly report. I will do my best to get the show notes done ahead of time the night before. So that once the quarterly report comes out, I can just get right into that episode. Thanks once again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. And if you go to lynda.com slash T-I-I, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-I-I, you will get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts, and you don't have to travel for them. I met a person at NAB. She was in line checking out at the same time I was at the hotel. And I asked her what she liked about NAB. And she said the sessions. She spent the whole time in sessions about Final Cut Pro. So she spent a bunch of money on plane tickets, hotel room, food, and the show. We're talking well over $1,000. Or she could have just paid $25 a month for lynda.com and would have been able to get lessons not only just as good as at NAB, but in many cases also by the people presenting at NAB. I went to a couple of sessions where the presenters mentioned their Lynda tutorials and were giving out lynda.com cards where to find their tutorials on Lynda. Plus, the tutorials from Lynda also have transcripts to make learning much easier than sitting in a session. So not only is that good, when you add in the transcripts, it's better. These tutorials cover subjects including business skills like SEO, viral marketing, content marketing, and negotiation. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suites, and Yup Final Cut Pro. And of course, there are also iOS app development courses. There are over 25 iOS courses available at lynda.com. Lynda has tutorials for each of the Office apps and each iWork apps. 
So if you want to get better at Excel or, or Numbers, Word or Pages, PowerPoint or Keynote, they have multiple tutorials for each app, some of which are new as in the last couple weeks new. And again, this is in an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcripts read along with closed caption transcripts. Uh, and you don't need to take my word for the breadth of and quality of the tutorials. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Let me know what tutorials you look at and when you learn. And of course, if you do go the route of developing your own app and get it up on the App Store, let me know and we'll promote it here on the show. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. Bob, this is Mark from the Olympia, Washington area, uh, today an iOS user uh, listener. Uh, I wanted to comment on your Office for iPad. Uh, I've actually downloaded the three and done some tests. There's a couple of issues that I've run into right away. First of all, if anybody goes out and gets an Office 365 subscription with the thought that they're going to be able to integrate that or be able to use their Office documents through a subscription, there are some incompatibility issues between an Office 365 subscription for an enterprise or business and a consumer version. There's, a, I believe, a DDNet article that talks about that. Secondly, thing that was a killer for me is it doesn't have an open-end feature for any one of those three to allow you to take an office document and open them back up in any one of your other applications uh, on your iPad. That just is a real killer for trying to make this a productivity tool. It kind of looks like Microsoft's trying to make this a lock-in. So those are a couple of the quick observations that I found just looking at it the first couple of hours. Love the uh, podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, talk to you later. Mark, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hello, Rob. Is it too late at night to call in a concern and question for your next show? Regards, BP. Hi, BP. The call-in number 206-666-6364, also known as 206-MOON-DOG, is a K7.net number. My phone does not ring at the house. It is a phone messaging service. That emails me the voicemail message, and I can then take that right into GarageBand to include in the show. So feel free to call that number 24-7-365. It will not wake me up. Again, that service is k7.net, as in the letter K and the number 7.net. And it is a free service I have been using since 2004 for voicemail for my podcasts. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the tip about turning on reduced motion and accessibility settings on my iPhone 5S with iOS 7.x. I was skeptical that this would help because I don't know why the visual effects on OS would interfere with the fingerprint scanner in a way, in any way, but it's nice to confirm this is a software bug and no, there's nothing wrong with the hardware. If anyone else has been experiencing issues with the fingerprint scanner failing to read fingerprint after scanning, scanner gets dirty, I recommend turning on reduce motion. Regards, Brian. Brian, thanks for that feedback, and I just wanted to say that again because it doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem like it should matter, but for some reason it does, and if you have reduced motion turned on, you are likely not having issues with your fingerprint scanner. That's not always the case, but it's likely the case. 
Hello, Rob. I'm a beginner cyclist, and I'm currently taking weekend bike rides ranging from 20 miles to 60-plus miles. I wanted to ask you and or your listeners for any suggestions for iPhone apps that will record my distance and speed for my bike rides. I did check the App Store recently, but there seems to be a lot of options, so I was hoping the TII community could help me narrow it down to a few key apps. Since I'm a beginner, I'm not looking for anything too fancy or pricey, but I would like features such as backing up data to my computer, sharing stats on social media, a detailed map of the ride, and a streamlined interface. Not asking for too much, are you? And any advice would be appreciated. Regards, Mike in San Jose, California. Well, Mike, I'm going to throw this out to your fellow Freds in the audience. If you are a cyclist out there, give us a call, send us an email to uh, todayinios at gmail.com. Let us know what apps you use for tracking your cycling, which ones you like, and why. Oh, and if there's some that you've tried that you don't like, definitely let us know about those as well. Hi, Rob. I am finding that when I text an iPhone user that has no active internet connection, iMessage is not automatically converting the text to SMS. The message just stays in limbo, and the receiver only gets it when they switch their internet on. I have tried signing out and then back in, a hard reset, reset network settings, and a full restore, and even tried a replacement device I was given and still isn't working. Don't know where to go from here. Any advice would be appreciated. Regards, Steve in Brisbane, Australia. I have not had this issue, but I know some other people in the past have. If you are someone that had this issue with iMessage and iMessage is not being delivered and found a cure, solution, fix, please give us a call, shoot us an email, let us know what it was that you had to do to get iMessage to work right, that when the person you're sending to is not on an internet connection, the message still went to them as SMS. 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot that email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. This is Tom from Crystal Lake, Illinois. I love the show. Uh, this is just a, a call with a comment about the gentleman who called in in episode 302 who was talking about his audiobooks not being backed up uh, and being able to be downloaded from iCloud. I had the same issue. Um, couple different times with uh, Apple, and finally I just moved over to Audible. Um, you don't have to do the monthly subscription. You can just buy them from Audible, and they're about the same price as buying them from iTunes, but then at least you'll have them in the cloud, and you can get them on your iPad, get them on your phone. They're there forever. But movies and music, I still go through iTunes. Anyway, just my two cents. Love the show. Take care. Bye. Tom, thanks for the feedback. We are now over 600 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks, everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One question in the Google Plus community that came up this past week or two weeks, Ben Kempa, and he asked, quote, does anyone know of an iPhone app that lets you have multiple layers and import pictures and draw and add text? Does Photoshop Touch let you do this, unquote? Answers on this included, yep, Photoshop will work for this from, well, yours truly, Myron Euchre recommended Sketchbook Express with Express version only allowing three layers, but thinking the Pro version allowed more. For the iPad, there is also Touch Image Manipulator, which is a cheaper alternative to Photoshop, thanks to Ben Nielsen for the heads up on that one. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of other posts in the Google Plus community, and all in a Android Boys free zone. 
and spammer-free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. This is something that uh, Jade can attest to. She emailed me asking why an Android fanboy was allowed to be free in the community, but he was not in our community. He was in an unmoderated iOS jailbreak community. And I said to Jade, 10% of the population is mentally unstable, but 100% of that 10% seem to be on Google+, except not in our community. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. todayinios.com slash community, and you can join in. And thanks to all 600 plus of you already in the community and contributing and contributing civilly with nice rapport towards one another and without getting on people's grill. Thanks to Jonathan from foreignfilmcast.com for this next one. And well, thanks to a few others for the heads up on this one. This is a link to, quote, the ultimate guide to solving iOS battery drain, unquote. This guide comes from a two-year veteran working at the Apple Genius Bar. Some other recommendations are disable location and background app refresh for Facebook. And then he said, disable background app refresh for apps you don't care about. Hmm. Kind of sounds like a repeat of the first item. Turn off battery percentage. The reasoning here is not that the feature chews up any more battery, just that those that have it enabled spend twice as much time looking at their phone to see what the battery indicator says. Another one is enable airplane mode in areas of poor cell service. Anyway, if you want to read more, look for the link titled The Ultimate Guide to Solving iOS Battery Drain in the show notes for episode 303 at todayinios.com. And also, if you want to learn how to help save battery in SnapGuide, search for W-A-L-C-H. SnapGuide, go to search for W-A-L-C-H. You'll find my tutorial in there on a dozen or so baker's dozen ways to help reduce battery drain on your iOS device running iOS 7. Before we get into the rumor section of this episode, and we are now officially in rumor season, I want to talk about a new word I invented. It is I-priapism. I submitted to Urban Dictionary, and they rejected it. The definition I submitted for I-priapism is the following. An ailment suffered by Apple fanboys that sets in around March of each year and lasts until September as they endlessly read rumors about the next iDevice from Apple and they get overly excited about what is about to come. Only waiting in line overnight for a new iDevice can cure this ailment. Anyway, Urban Dictionary didn't like it. And I've mentioned in the past, I have some other words I've uh, submitted to Urban Dictionary and have made it in. Sorry, don't ask me what they were. Some I'm not too proud of. Others I don't remember. But this one I think was pretty funny, so I don't know why they rejected it. I mean, if we as Apple fanboys can't laugh at ourselves, then, well, we shouldn't laugh at the Android fanboys, right? Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. My question is, O2 and the UK have offered me an upgrade. Any rough idea when the new iPhone comes out? Do you think September? Regards, Kevin B. Yep. Thanks to Michael L. for this next one, which is, well, a little link baitish in nature. The title is Three Amazing iPhone 6 Features Android Bushes It Could Match. Okay, well, very link baitish in nature. But since the hook is set, let's see what these three features are. Longer battery life, improved mapping, and a bigger screen. The argument for the first item is that Apple will release a quad-core processor 
and that will improve battery life greatly. For the second one, they are talking about Apple making multiple acquisitions over the past 16 months, and many were mapping related. And that last one, a bigger screen? Yeah, not seeing at all how Android can match that, or can't match that, I should say. There are Android phones basically as big as an iPod mini and as small as the current iPhone. They cover everything in between. Like I said, a little link baitish on that article. One of the things to come out of the latest Apple v. Samsung trial are slides from Apple saying basically they need to make a bigger iPhone and why. And it comes down to that there is no growth in the 4-inch smartphone market for devices that cost more than $300, i.e. iPhones. And actually that market is shrinking. So given a choice between selling a 4-inch iPhone for less than $300 or selling a larger iPhone, I think it's a pretty safe bet Apple will choose to go with the larger iPhone uh, with their traditionally higher than $300 sales price. Much more than $300 sales price, really. Other surveys show about 40% of multi-iPhone owners, or how do you put this, multi-generational iPhone owners. So if you've owned two or more iPhones in your life, 40% of those people would upgrade given the chance for a larger iPhone. Hey, and when it's rumor season, that means it's awkward photos time of the year of what is supposed to be a component for the next iPhone. And up this week is supposed pics of the new battery. And while somehow someone was able to figure out from the pic with no reference points exactly how large this new battery is, which they said is right size for a 4.7 inch smartphone, but not large enough for a 5.5 inch smartphone. Well, isn't that special? Not sure from the photo how they figured out its size, but hey, this is all part of rumor season. Expect many, many, many more photos of supposed iPhone 6 components over the next few months. One thing that I've been doing is searching the help wanted ads for Mesa, Arizona. No, I'm not looking for a new job, but rather I am looking to see what GTAT is looking to hire. And there were a bunch of new job openings since the last episode, enough to get a mention on their own in this episode. Almost 10 new different jobs titles were posted in the last two weeks, and most of those in the last week. But the one I have been waiting for is finally listed, quality technician. This is the one you hire when you are shipping or about to ship product. This is the last person to look at the product before it goes to the customer, and it's the first one to look at product when it comes back from the customer. In the job description was, quote, coordinate activities for vendor RMAs, unquote. RMAs are return material authorizations, and you don't get return materials unless you are shipping out materials. Based on this job position and others, it is starting to look a lot like sapphire glass the front of the iPhone is going to make it in 2014 and will not be pushed out to 2015. Per other jobs that were there, there is need for an import-export specialist, but all of the key duties and responsibilities are specifically for export compliance and rules, which is what you would expect as all the glass would be exported to China for assembly. And they just added a position for accounts, receivable invoicing, 
So yep, starting to look like they are getting ready in very short order to start shipping and shipping in enough quantity that they need those positions filled. And I would fill those if I was getting ready to ship in full production mode and overseas. So game on for Sapphire for being shipped to Apple in the next couple of months. I should preface all of this that it could just mean that the Sapphire is going to be for an iWatch screen, but either way, it looks like GTAT will be shipping production quantities of Sapphire before the end of June. Thanks to Steve from Arizona for this next one, which is about mobile malware. And, well, that means it is about Android, as developers of mobile malware in 2013 almost exclusively focused on Android. In 2013, there was one, just one, non-Android malware discovered, and it was for MS Windows Phone. And that means there were zero discovered for iOS in 2013. Oh, and malware is not just on third-party app stores for Android. Multiple apps appeared in the Google Play App Store in 2013 that have malware in them. And since Android is so infested with malware, well, at least compared to all the other platforms, users feel the need to protect themselves. It makes sense that the number one paid app is a virus protection app called Virus Shield. Or, well, it was the number one paid app on Android Google Play Store. I talk past tense because it came to light. The app does nothing, as in no protection for you, nada. The app costs $3.99 and in under two weeks sold 10,000 copies with 4.5 star reviews and reviews from over 1,700 people. Uh, so not only did the Android users feel they needed this type of app, they also rated it high even though it did nothing to protect them. <laughs> nice. Also interesting to hear that 10,000 app sales in two weeks in Google Play can get you to the number one position. Seems awfully low. Thanks to Ed T for this next one, which is an article titled The Fallacy of Android First. Back in episode 226, I think it was, back in May of 2012, I talked about this a little and mentioned how Fred Wilson was telling startups a year prior to develop for Android First, and what a huge mistake that was, in my opinion, and now, two years later, here is another good article talking in more concrete details about why Android First is a bad, bad idea. If you're a dev, this is definitely worth a read, but then if you're a dev listening to this show, yeah, probably already you're smart enough to know that you develop for iOS first. And then, if there's a bunch of uptake on the iOS side, you bite the bullet and you develop for Android next. The article does say because of fragmentation issues on the hardware and modifications to the core Android OS, that it takes two developers for Android apps for every one needed to develop for iOS apps. Plus, due to fragmentation, there really is not a market share advantage for iOS. Once you look at what versions you are developing for for Android, you often are looking at a much smaller piece of the pie than the size of the market using the latest version of iOS. Anyway, a very nice read, link in the show notes. And I think those last few articles should weed out any lingering Android fanboys in the audience. Trust me, folks, I did not come close to going over all of the articles sent in about Android these past couple of weeks. So please, no hate mail about beating up Android. And I don't look at it as Android bashing as much as reminding you not only is the grass on the other side not green, there's no grass there at all. Okay, one more article. I couldn't resist. 
the new Apple v. Samsung trial, and this is really is an Android, this is more about Samsung. Uh, the new Apple v. Samsung trial is going on, and it is revealing all kinds of info and emails, and I really don't want to talk about the trial. But this next item was so sickening and, well, sums up Samsung so well, I just had to mention it. From 9to5Mac, with regards to the next big thing ads, quote, an email trial shows that Samsung America's VP of U.S. sales, Mike Pennington, cynically described the death of jobs as, quote, the best opportunity, unquote, to run the campaign. And all of that unquoted. That was two days after Steve's death when Sammy approved that campaign. Yep, that is Samsung in a nutshell. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob. March, April has passed and is passing with no iPad rumors apart from the larger iPad Pro screenshots. When would you guess they will be a new line of iPads, Airs, or Pros announced for 2014? With WWDC in June and recent iOS devices announced in the September-October timeframe likely, when would you think we are going to see something and why? Regards, Ryu, Sheffield, England. Well, thank you for that email, and per when I think we're going to see these things, I believe we're going to see the next iPhone in the September timeframe, just like last year, and I think we're in that rut, as I mentioned earlier, because of how carrier upgrades go. Per when we're going to see the next iPads, that is less dependent on any ruts and upgrade cycles. You could see new iPads maybe before the iPhone, maybe in the August timeframe, or it might be just like last year after the iPhone, six to eight weeks after. So I think you're going to either see it early in uh, August or you're going to see it late, mid-October uh, for the next iPads. And again, with the iPhone's coming announcement in early, mid-September and launch at the end of September, right before the end of that quarter. Again, probably right lockstep of how it was last year and the year before that. The one I am still most amazed about, hasn't been announced yet, is the new Apple TV. It's way, way overdue when you look at the cycles in the past. I don't know what Apple's waiting for, obviously. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised. So hopefully, the new Apple TV will be announced soon and hopefully before WWDC. So if it is announced before WWDC, good chance that at WWDC, they'll talk about app support for the new Apple TV. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I need some help from the community in getting a phone to work here in England. I brought over an unlocked iPhone 4S. The phone accepted any GSM SIM card in the U.S. and was originally on AT&T plan. After two years, I filled out the form and had it unlocked so I could move it over to Straight Talk, which it works on. I cannot get any U.K. SIM to work on in it. The phone will not register correctly. I have connected to the carrier's data and also tried in a Wi-Fi area. I have an unlocked 5S and has had no problems here. What is up? Can a phone be half unlocked? Regards, David H. And I'm going to send that one out to the audience. Other UK listeners, have you received an unlocked iPhone 4S? And was it a, originally a US iPhone? Or was that a European iPhone and you know, if anyone knows an issue here of why an iPhone 4S that worked on AT&T won't work on a GSM carrier in the UK, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. 
please share this. If you have an AT&T cell phone account, I found while paying my bill online, I was presented with check my plan. I found the same plan, unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 10 gigs of data was now just $35 a month, or was now $35 a month cheaper for my one line and one iPad. So call if you haven't been presented with checking your account. It seems the charge is with the cost of the data plan. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thomas, thanks for the heads up on that. Um, hi there, Rob. This is Ron in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The other day, I called here and left a message. I was speaking about a Kickstarter project that I had supported and pledged. It was called the Podium. And I just wanted to give you an update that I actually received in the mail yesterday. Total surprise. I, for the most part, thinking I wasn't ever going to see it, but it did come. But thank you for all you do. I appreciate your podcast very much. And uh, thanks a bunch. Bye now. Ron, thanks for calling in with the update. and glad the episode didn't go out last week. Uh, again, last week was delayed because of NAB. Like I said, it might have been. But uh, I did play your second message there, Ron. I know you said not to play the first one. But I wanted to play the second one there because I get a lot of people asking about Kickstarter projects that don't come. I have two right now that I'm waiting for and aren't here yet. And there are others, and this next story we're going to talk about here in a second is about one that definitely is likely never to come. Uh, it seems to be a, a little bit of a scam. That's on Indiegogo project. But I do want to let people know that many Kickstarter, most Kickstarter projects actually do ship. Most also ship late. Uh, but most do ship eventually. Uh, recap, uh, I had a bunch of you that had gotten the recaps and ordered them. I'm hearing from you that they you have received your recaps. So if you haven't received your recap, uh, let me know. But uh, quite a few of you emailed me that ordered recap, uh, especially podcasters, and and received that. And again, a lot of uh, projects that you do fund on Kickstarter will go through to completion, although many of them will be late like this one. But don't blame the folks at Kickstarter. The reason they're doing these Kickstarter projects is they're learning. And, you know, that's part of this. And now sometimes you're going to lose the money. Uh, hopefully that's not the case with the two that I still have out there and I've paid on. Um, but if it happens, it happens. And thanks to those that sent in this next one, uh, which is about, well, it really definitely looks like a scam, a crowdfunding project on Indiegogo called Healbe, H-E-L-B-E, is a campaign where you wear a bracelet and it is supposed to tell you how many calories you consumed and also burned. The video is Hilarious, but not in the intentional way, just hilarious that people fell for this. There's no way for a bracelet to track your intake of calories. None. Period. Unless it had a camera and it was videotaping everything you ate and feeding it back to some master computer and then calculated it that way. But from measuring your, quote, glucose to your skin, it doesn't know at all how many calories you consumed. Anyway, I hope none of you fell for the heel bee as it raised well over a million dollars and uh, they were never heard from again, is my guess. The folks at pando.com, P-A-N-D-O.com, are covering this one like a wet blanket with many posts so far. Sadly, Indiegogo was made aware of the likeliness of this being a scam and did nothing. That said, 
I am still waiting for my SOS charger and that over-the-ear headphones, the sound band, both uh, from Kickstarter. So I guess sometimes even legit-looking crowd-funded projects don't work out either. But this one, he'll be, ouch, it is screaming, scam, 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 magic pixie dust. My guess is now that they raised a million dollars for that, their next Indiegogo project will be the Perpetual Motion Machine. Hi, Rob. I went ahead and backed the air bulb you mentioned on the show, and now I have one I want to let you know about. It's called the Mini Mobile Robotic Printer. Regards, Dave T. Well, thanks, Dave. So what you could do with this little robotic printer, and definitely not something I'm condoning, just saying, is you could go to a conference where you want to get into it, but don't want to pay to get in, or, or can't get in. Take some lanyards with you and badge holders from other conferences you've attended. Walk up to someone going in and take a picture of their badge, and then take out this printer and print a copy, and bingo bango, you have a badge to get in. Again, I would never condone that, unless it was like a black hat con hackers conference where such activity is expected and in some ways encouraged. This printer would cost you $200. They have a goal of $400,000, and 24 hours ago they were at $387K, and they have until May 10th at 2.39 a.m. Central Time, so they will easily hit that goal. They probably already have hit it by the time you've heard this. It is a cool little robotic printer, and if you are looking for a printer, you can just put on a piece of paper on a flat surface and then have it go around and print like a Roombo for printing. Rombo, Roombo, whatever you pronounce that thing. Uh, and then, well, just search for Mini Mobile Robotic Printer, all multiple words, in kickstarter.com, or look for the link in the show notes for episode 303. Oh, and uh, one other use for this, bring blank paper to a conference you are exhibiting at and have it up on your booth, at the table at your booth, and have it print out your pamphlets or flyers or business cards. Uh, it would be a cute novelty for your booth. Just pray someone does not think it is a giveaway and grabs it and walks off. Hi, Rob. With regards to MS Office 365 for the iPad versus the versions for the PC and Macs and what's different, here are the comparisons between the different versions of Excel, Word, and PowerPoint for between the desktop and the iPad. Please note, Office 365 Home subscription is for five systems, which means you can use it on five different devices, iPads, Windows, and Macs. Regards, Thomas, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thanks, Thomas. A couple of the key features missing for the iPad versus the computer for Excel, for example, are pivot tables can only be viewed on the iPad, not added or updated. Also, no sorting and filtering. You cannot run macros. And, of course, no split and multiple windows. For Word, key differences, or let's call them what they are, the key missing features are printing documents is not supported. Huh? No checking of grammar. Adding and updating endnotes, citations, captions, and table of contents is not supported on the iPad. And of course, no running of macros. And finally, for PowerPoint, which really, really, folks, PowerPoint, that is so 1990s. Keynote, baby. Keynote, that's the way to go. Okay, well, for PowerPoint for iPad, the missing features are printing slides, uh, 
again with the no printing. Can't imagine anyone would want to do that. Uh, you can't play, add, or change video or audio. For slide animations and background images, there is no adding, removing, or changing. It looks like it was uh, actually easier to say what the iPad version does do and the same as the desktop versus what it does not do for PowerPoint. Uh, did I mention Keynote? Yeah, love that program. Thanks to Michael for this next one, and that is Radio Shack just reduced the price of the iPhone 5S 16 gig to $99 or free if you trade in an iPhone 4S. Well, actually, what they do is give you a $100 store credit, which you can then put towards the iPhone 4S. So actually, you make a buck. Uh, this is an in-store promotion. In other words, they are looking to drive traffic to their stores. So if you can't wait until September and want an iPhone 5S today, now is a good time. That said, I personally don't recommend 16 gig iOS devices. I think 32 gig is a bare min in storage size. Apps are getting bigger and bigger and they will continue to get bigger and bigger. So stay away from 16 gig. Look at 32 as a min and I really personally am only going with 64 gig as a min now for me for any iOS devices. Hey Rob, John Clark, Lee Summit, Missouri. Calling about a company phone that had an employee leave and he did not reset the iPhone 4S on AT&T. So I'm trying to do a factory restore and without the Apple ID password, I cannot get the phone unlocked to repurpose it to another employee. Wondering if you or any of uh, the show listeners would have any suggestions. I tried uh, restore mode and got through to the end and it ended up uh, still needing the password. So I'm kind of stuck with a phone that uh, does nobody any good. Love the show and look forward to hearing any suggestions. Thanks. John, thanks for calling in. You're probably not going to like my advice. My advice is go back to the employee and get his password or ex-employee. Uh, if he won't give it to you, well, then you can just have to be a bad reference anytime anyone calls about him in the future. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be your best bet is getting the password from him. That said, if anyone knows another solution other than going back to the ex-employee and getting that password, let us know, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com if you've been in a similar situation and got a resolution. And again, this would be running the latest version of iOS to do that because they get more and more secure. I don't believe you're going to be able to get Apple to do anything for you at the Apple Store. You may have already tried that, but I don't think they're going to be able to. I think... Uh, ultimately, you're going to really need his password. That's my, my gut feeling on this. But hopefully I'm wrong and someone out there knows a good solution and an easy solution for you. On the last episode, I asked folks to send in their favorite jailbreak tweaks and apps and say why. Here are some of those responses. Hi, Rob. The reason I jailbroke was to allow my phone screen to show on my TV. I do this using AirPlay to my Apple TV and a jailbreak tweak called Air Video Enabler, all one word. This allows me to mirror my phone to the TV all the time uh, and the home screen and all. The only other jailbreak app I am running is Android Lock, one word, XT, well, two letters are separated from that, uh, which allows me to unlock my 4S with a swipe gesture 
I have to set it up that if I'm on a Wi-Fi network, I can access my phone directly without needing to enter a gesture. Looking forward to the release of the next Apple TV, larger iPhone 6 and iWatch. will be interesting to see what Apple brings out to compete with the Moto 360 regards Brian in Toronto. Hi Rob, my favorite jailbreak tweaks. One, mute icon. So good to have a visual one that on the status bar to remind you uh, you are on silent. Uh, no low power alert, all one word. It stops those pesky pop-ups to tell you your battery is going flat. iKiwi 2 gives you the extra row of keyboard on the keyboard that Apple won't give up. Regards, Anthony in Australia. Hey, Rob. Here is a couple of reasons I jailbreak. Byte SMS for quick reply and quick compose of messages. Two, any drop. Share any file up to 20 megabytes via AirDrop. Example, music and videos. Three, BTS or BT Stack GPS. I can use location services, maps, etc. on my Wi-Fi, only iPad via hotspot on my phone. It uses the location from there. Four, display out. This tweak lets you airplay anything in full screen. Normally, if you airplay a movie game, it won't be full screen, but this tweak changes that. Five, XBMC. With this, I can watch videos in any format from my time capsule or any network path. And to back it all up, I use package, PKG, backup, and that's all from Cydia. The tweak, this tweak backs up all the Cydia sources, tweaks, apps, music, and everything else. If I need to restore my phone, iPad, or get a new one, I can restore from the backup just like iTunes would. You can also share backups by email or Dropbox. These are a few of the many tweaks I use, and I would recommend jailbreaking to anyone who can. Regards, Brett. Hi, Rob. My favorite jailbreak tweaks are Byte SMS, which is the main reason I jailbreak. Two, Flip Control Center, a ton of extra options for Control Center. Three, MyY free tethering. Regards, Nate H. Hi, Rob. My iPhone is a 5S running 7.0.6 and is jailbroken. My favorite tweaks are the ones that subtly enhance the user experience. I love iOS. I'm not interested in radically changing the look or the feel of my device. I love finding those few tweaks that you customize something where you say, why doesn't Apple let me do that? Here are my favorites. Byte SMS, I would jailbreak for this tweak alone. Polus, P-O-L-U-S, this tweak lets you change the quick launcher apps in Control Center. It also lets you assign a quick tap or a long hold to each icon to get different apps or activator actions. It comes with a bunch of icons that you can use to represent the apps. Clever pin, one word. This tweak allows you to disable your passcode lock when you are connected to a trusted Wi-Fi network. When you are on a cellular or non-specific network, it reactivates your passcode. I love that my passcode will be there when my phone is most likely to get lost or stolen, but stays out of my way when I'm at home. I'm one of the unlucky ones from whom Touch ID has never been reliable. Plus, I know you said three, but an honorable mention goes to Push for Gmail, which enables you to get Gmail pushed to the iOS mail app again. 
All these are small conveniences that I really hope Apple integrates into future versions of iOS. Best regards, Michael from Seattle. Hi, Rob. Just a small follow-up on my jailbreak recommendations. I just noticed that Byte SMS is on sale for $4.99 for the month of April. Regards again, Michael. Hi, Rob. My favorite jailbreak tweak is Showcase. It's so little, but it's so obvious. Regards, Max C. And I want to thank everyone that sent in the emails with their favorite uh, jailbreak apps. There were some others that were just just repeats of those apps, but Byte SMS really was a popular one, you know. So if you're a texter, it seems like Byte SMS is the one to go for. And as Michael said, it's on sale, $4.99 right now. So if you are jailbroken, uh, you might want to check that one out. And once again, go to episode 303 over today on iOS.com, and you will see the full list of apps mentioned in today's episode, including all the ones at the end with Cydia next to their name, which are the jailbreak apps. Rob, it's Max from Rockford, Michigan. I just had a thought about this Candy Crush suit thing. Why doesn't Apple sue everybody for putting I in every darn product they make? I this and I that. This is just a thought. Love the show. Bye. Well, Max, Apple was going after people for putting pod in their names. Hi, Rob. I just recently made some ringtones on GarageBand for my iPhone. But even though I've lowered the volume in GarageBand in several different places, when they play on my phone, they seem pretty loud. Louder than what I would like to have for an alarm clock ringer. I'm wondering if there's something I'm missing. I know I can turn the ringer down on my phone, but knowing my luck, I will forget to turn it back up, and then I'll be missing calls. Thanks in advance. Regards, Shannon and Fountain Hills. And then another email came in from Shannon a few days later. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to write back and let you know that I figured out how to lower the volume in GarageBand. If you go into Preferences and then Advanced, there's a feature called Auto Normalize, which exports projects at full loudness. I unchecked that, and now I am able to lower the volumes and fade in like I wanted so that it doesn't jolt me out of sleep anyway. Just wanted to let you know. Kind regards, Shannon. Well, Shannon, first, thanks for the question, and second, more importantly, thanks for the answer. I'm sure other people that have used GarageBand have kind of run into that same problem and wondered how they could get the volume down, and now they know to go in and uh, change auto-normalize. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I can't claim to have thought of this myself, but I so wish I had. Take an old iPhone, the older the better, uh, just as long as it works reliably, buy a pay-as-you-go SIM card that has no service charge or and won't expire. Switch all apps off, audio ringers and vibration. Make sure that's all turned off, but have Find My iPhone and Find Friends switched on. House it in a waterproof case and connect it to a USB car power outlet plug and waterproof that too. Connect that plug with stealth to the permanent 12 volt supply of a vehicle. Hide the iPhone somewhere within the vehicle. Be mindful that a good signal um, from the phone is required. So don't obviously hide it too well where it's blocked any signal. You now have a vehicle tracking system fitted with minimal cost and no subscription to pay. The vehicle's silent iPhone could also send you alerts if it is moved or enters into a geo-fenced area with the Find Friends app. You can also always find your car in a big parking 
lot, and I'm sure there are more applications that could be used. A mate told me his mate had done this on his motorcycle, so sadly I can't give the fellow credit because I don't know his name, but it's a nice idea. I'm on eBay right now looking for an old iPhone. Regards, Mike. Well, Mike, thank you for the heads up on that. I'm sure quite a few private detectives uh, would be interested in that application as well. Not to mention parents of teenagers, of course. If you're a parent of a teenager, he's or she are probably carrying an iPhone anyway, and you can find them with Find My iPhone for their iPhone that way. Well, the NCAA tournament is over, and both my schools, where I have degrees from, did pretty well. You all know how Dayton did. That is my first love and where I received my undergrad degree. My postgrad degree is an MBA from UConn, which I received in 2004. That was the last time UConn's men's and women's team won both the men's and women's tournament. Congrats for them doing it again and being not just the first school to do it twice, but the only school to ever do it. Go Huskies. Yep, a good year for my schools. Now, per the NCAA tournament pool, in third place was Robert Finley. Congrats, Robert. You'll get priority for promo codes when you hear ones that you want for the next three months. Uh, in second place was my five-and-a-half-year-old son, Porter, host of Porter's Podcast, and obviously an NCA bracket prodigy. And in first place is Jose Baez, who gets priority on promo codes until the end of this year. Plus, Jose, let me know what type of iOS device you have. I have some items here I will send you. Robert and Jose, please send an email to me uh, to todayinios at gmail.com. Next year, I will get better about organizing the prize pool before the contest. Sorry I was not able to get an episode out last week as I was at NAB. I don't know why I say I may get one of these out when I'm at one of these shows. It never happens. Wishful thinking on my part. But had a good show. Uh, I did an interview at NAB that I'll have up on, hopefully have it up on the next episode. It was folks from Escort Radar Detectors. Yeah, it was good interview. So uh, I look forward to getting that up on the next episode. Again, uh, held off on this one because the show's already long enough and the next one's probably going to be shorter. And I also want to say thanks to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show and for the free offer to the listeners. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TI app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get a push message when a new episode goes live or there is other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of the show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And before we go today... I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. Uh, it's an app, a product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you have created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. 
This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Thank mm-hmm. you.